Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It podcast. I am your host, Apostle Rosemary of RCN Ministries. Today we are going to talk about mental health and mental illness. May is the month of mental health. We are going to talk about the stigma um, of mental illness in the church. Um, For far too long, it has been this subject, whenever it comes up, it has been considered taboo in the church. But there are many that are suffering with mental illness in the church, including pastors. So let's talk about it. The church is to be a place of healing. And the church must be proactive and have tools available to deal with mental health. The church must be trained and equipped to deal with mental health. There are so many people that are suffering um, with their mental health. They're battling different ailments from mental illnesses. And they need a safe harbor. They need a place to go and to be counseled. Um, to be given the tools that they need to be able to function and to coexist as a functioning, productive um, part of our culture um, and our society. The church, um, as we move along and we progress, we must learn to educate the people that are part of churches and ministries in the area of mental health. We cannot sweep it under a rug but we've got to deal with it head on. Um, We can deal with this and we must deal with this from a biblical aspect. And further on in this podcast, I'm going to give some scriptures as well. Um, We can look at this from a biblical aspect and to understand the tools which are available to help the individuals that are suffering from mental health and mental illnesses. When we're building um, the different manuals within the church, we have to be able to highlight and to understand the individual on an individual basis. You cannot just put every person that is um, struggling, that is having issues with mental health into a box and, and, and you know, uh, one size fits all. It's not that simple. So in order to address this issue, We, the church, we need to understand the individual as a person and um, whatever treatment um, or counseling that's set into place has to be tailor-made to that individual. Um, We must know the background of the individual. Um, We need to know the consequences that cause the mental health, that may have caused the depression, the anxiety, the PTSD, Um, the schizophrenia and the different sufferings that they're going through. Many times we will be able to look within the background of every individual. And this is the area that highlights where the trauma took place. Um, What happened within that family unit that caused them to become a um, fragmented portion or part of themselves where they begin to struggle or to hide away within themselves uh, mentally in an area of their lives, something they've covered up or some hidden trauma um, that's really fragmented them, fragmented their soul, so to speak. Um, We need to understand how we can control this moving forward. Um, The different things that attributed to it, the attributions 
Um, the social support has to be there for these individuals. There has to be psychological support um, because this is something that they're going to live with uh, many times throughout their lives because of the impact. Um, the Lord gives us biblical scriptures that talks about healing, that talks about deliverance, that talks about being set free, talks about being, being made whole. But then there is also the restoration that must take place. And we need to understand that. We need to couple the word of God um, to be able to blend or should I say um, to create a specific type of counseling um, for each individual that they'll be able to be a productive part of society and they'll be a productive part of a church or ministry where they can come and they can feel safe. Um, it could be their safe harbor. The church is a place of healing. The church has to have these tools and, and the church needs to awaken that there are pastors, there are leaders within the church that are suffering with their mental health. Um, there are so many different statistics that are available where there are pastors that are taking their own life. They're committing suicide. So we have to ask ourselves, the pastors are the ones that are counseling the parishioners, the members, um, the, the other leaders in the church and people within the communities. But who is counseling the pastor? We know that they're able to, we're able as leaders, myself, Apostle Herbie and myself, we can vouch and we understand this, um, that we are able to go to the Lord, each and every one of us. But at some point, you know, um, uh, even leaders need to be counseled is the easiest way I can say that. So we need to understand that when we see statistically the rates of the pastors that are walking away from churches, walking away from ministry, that are um, their families are falling apart, they're committing suicide. It's because they've gotten to a breaking point where they haven't been able to set the healthy boundaries, where they're, they're, they always feel that their own call, that they have to be available for everyone. But I've learned throughout the years, Apostle Herbie and I have learned that you have to set healthy boundaries. You can never truly empty yourself so much until you become depleted. And then you can't have anyone that's there to pray for you and to build you back up. Um, and someone that you can talk to that gives sound counsel to you as a leader in ministry. Um, so there's an impact. Um, we have to look at um, what was the impact that caused this. We have to look at the, the type of environment that caused this. We need to understand the limitations, um, the over-reliance on people or things, situations and circumstances. We need to understand the lack of distinction between religion and spirituality. Okay, um, when, when we talk about this, religion means um, that, that I'm a part of a body, I'm a part of a church, I'm a part of a ministry. And, and, and when we look at religion, we need to really say relationship because as the people of God, we must have an intimate relationship with the Lord for ourselves. When we look at spirituality, that talks to me more so about being religious, um, uh, <laughs> saying that I know God, but really not having the intimacy with God. So uh, I don't like the term, the terminology spirituality, and I don't like the terminology religious. Um, I like the terminology relationship. Okay. Um, we have to look at the population and the biases. 
um, there are divine interventions throughout the word of God that tells us how to cope with every situation that we're faced with in today's society as well as our cultures. We need to understand the implications of the individual. What implications um, will this have on their life? Are there lasting implications? Do they have a family unit? Are they a parent? Um, are they a part of a ministry? Are they homeless? Do they have a home? You know, there are so many different dimensions that we really have to deal with with people when we're talking about mental health and mental illnesses. Um, I want to touch on um, some scriptures to, just to give some insight and back it up with biblical, the, the biblical word of God. Um, the word of God tells us, and these are 12 different principles that we can use as um, men and women of God when we're dealing with a mental illness, when we're dealing with people that are dealing with um, situations like this. We can look at these 12 principles and they are scripture based. Um, God is our refuge and our strength and everlasting present help in trouble. That is Psalms 46 and 1. Um, we will see the individual first, um, not the illness, and that we will be able to understand them. Um, when we look at Proverbs um, 16 and 22, part A of that text, um, that verse, or text, you can say. Um, it says, Proverbs 16, 22a, understanding is a fountain of life for those who have it. My God. Understanding the individual and not the illness. Okay, people. We recognize um, that mental illness are medical illnesses that may have environmental triggers. Here we go. When we look at Psalms 31 and 7, um, Psalms 31 and 7 says, I will be glad and rejoice in your love for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul, my Lord. That is someone that is, you know, we're talking about David, the psalmist, um, in many of the Psalms throughout the Bible. And David was someone um, who was being tormented by different triggers, different things he was suffering with. Um, different situations, um, and it, everyone that knows David, they we know David's background. We know the things he wrestled with. We understand David so much, but David knew true repentance. Amen. Um, we can also look at John 14, 14 and 27. Um, we understand that mental illnesses are traumatic events that may have taken place in an individual's life. And John 14 and 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not be troubled and do not be afraid. So anything and everything that we're encountering, everything that we're going through, we need to understand that the Lord has given us his peace. He has left his peace with us and he has given his peace to us, my Lord, according to John chapter 14 and verse 27. Um, we also must aim for better coping skills. We look at Philippians 4 and 8 and it reads, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. So in other words, we have to elevate our minds. 
We have to think on the goodness of the Lord. We have to think about the true things. We have to think about the noble things, the right things, the pure things, the lovely things, the admirable things. Anything that is excellent and praiseworthy. These are the things we are to think on. According to Philippians 4 and verse 8. We find strength in sharing experiences. According to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 14. And it reads, encourage the timid. Help the weak and be patient with everyone. We need to understand when people are going through that it's not for us to judge. Um, it's not for us to look down on them, but it's for us, as the word of God tells us, that the stronger vessels must bear the infirmities of the weaker vessels. When someone is dealing with their mental health and any forms of mental illnesses, then guess what? They're the weaker vessel and we as the church need to build them up. Uh, we reject the stigma and we do not tolerate discrimination, not in the church, not being the people of God, not being the temple that encompasses and carries the Holy Spirit within us. John 9 and 3 says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened to this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. In other words, many are afflicted. Many people are going through something. But in order for God to get the glory out, there always is a test before there is a testimony. We won't judge anyone's pain as less than our own. According to 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12, verses 25 to 26, and it reads, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So guess what? We're bearing the infirmities of one another. If one bleed, the other bleeds. We move on. We forgive ourselves and reject guilt. According to Psalms 103 and 12, and it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just think about the distance. Think about the things of yesterday, the things of your past, the things that we've endured, the trauma that many people have endured. If they have not come into the, the maturity or the the place in God where they've totally cast all their cares upon him and they've gotten to that place of maturity in God, in his word, and, and they've learned how to walk through even while they're, they're leading, while they're bleeding, but they're still functioning and they're still moving forward. It doesn't mean that they're perfect, but it means that they've learned how to cope with what they're dealing with. And it's not in the way that they're um, coping, but it's in their ability to be able to cope while under pressure. We embrace humor as healthy. According to Proverbs 17 and 22, and it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, 
So you know what? We've got to remain cheerful regardless of what we've gone through. We've got to learn to have a praise on our lips. And you know what? The people that are battling with mental health and mental illnesses, guess what? We've got to be the cheerful person, having that cheerful heart that gives them that good medicine, according to Proverbs 17 and 22. We accept that we cannot solve all problems, according to John 16 and 33. And it reads, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So in other words, you know what? We have peace in Christ Jesus. In the world, we will have trouble. But guess what? We've got to take heart. Why? Because he has overcome the world already. And if he did it, he's already been the John, the Baptist that was in the wilderness crying out, prepare you the way of the Lord. That was the forerunner that went ahead of him and prepared the way. So Jesus has already prepared the way. All we've got to do is obey and follow it. We expect a better future in a realistic way. According to Psalms 28 and 7. And it reads, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. And I am helped. So if the Lord is our strength, he is our shield. When he is our shield, he is protecting us from anything that comes against us. So guess what? My heart trusts in him and I am held. And the last of these 12 is we will never give up hope. According to Jeremiah 29 and 11. And it reads, we will never give up hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. So you know what? Regardless of what we're going through, men and women, God has a plan for us. The Lord has declared this. He plans to prosper us and not to harm us and plans to give us hope and a future. According to Jeremiah 29 11, we as the church, as the people of God, we must educate ourselves, get the facts because there are so many misconceptions that are regarding mental illnesses and it begins with ignorance. We've got to learn about these things and move forward. Mental illness refers to a wide range of mental health condition and, and disorders um, that affect your mood, your thinking, and your behavior. While many people can experience mental health issues, Mental illness occurs when the symptoms cause frequent stress to begin to interfere with the normal function of their everyday life. My Lord, we have to learn to, as we're a part of the church and we're a part of the church body, we've got to begin to learn how to um, be able to identify when people are going through with mental disorders. You know, they, they have the different disorders that are anxiety, that are depression related. Um, there's a wide spectrum that deals with um, addictive disorders like eating disorders, schizophrenia, um, the bipolar mood disorders, and many others um, that we need to be informed about in the church. My God. Um, we also need to uh, ask a mental professional 
to come in to help us educate those that are in the church, um, set up meetings and discuss how to understand mental illness and, and for us to know um, when to intervene or when the, we need there needs to be intervention is needed. We need to learn to use the resources in the church to educate the church leaders on the importance of helping people with mental illness. Um, then we need to begin to um, even talk to those that are teaching Sunday schools, that are teaching the teenagers, because there are a lot of children that are dealing with mental illnesses, with mental health and problems that they really can't talk to their parents about. But the church must be the safe haven. The safe haven. Um, make sure everyone knows um, that they're able when, when and where and how they're able to get the help that they need. You know, have available numbers posted um, for different um, different places that they can seek out help, different organization, different groups and local mental health meetings that they can attend. Um, even at churches, it would be a great thing to see churches start a mental health ministry that's able to function um, and, and to coexist with functions that are in different communities um, throughout the world that are able um, to combat the mental health crises that we're seeing around the world. Uh, we need to recognize the symptoms, um, the consequences um, of, if, of mental health going untreated. They can be very devastating. And the symptoms, the onset of the symptoms. Um, we need to be able to understand this for mental health and mental illnesses. Um, you know, there are excessive emotional responses extreme worry and sadness and anger or extreme mood swings. Um, a lot of times they will appear, appear confused, um, confused thinking that they'll have an inability to concentrate. Socially, they begin to withdraw. They have an inability to relate to other people. Um, there are changes or difficulties in their sleeping or eating, eating patterns. Um, there are difficulties uh, perceiving re, um, reality there are delusions and hallucinations and paranoias that take place with mental health, dealing with the mental illnesses of mental health, should I say. There are different physical, uh, multiple physical ailments without a physical cause. You know, sometimes people, they begin to say, oh, I don't feel that I've got this, I've got that. You know, um, think about the Munchausen syndrome. Um, when there is a mother... Um, you know, I've, I've seen this played out before. There was a movie years ago where there was a mother who had Munchausen syndrome and she was making her child sick um, up until death. And there was another movie I've seen where one had Munchausen syndrome and killed her child for the sympathy and, and also for the praise that they were such a good parent. Um, that is a mental illness, my Lord. Um, an inability to do their daily tasks where they're you know, they're tired, they're sluggish, they can't do anything, they're sleeping a lot, um, they're not um, relating to anyone within their households or their circles. This can be the spouses, um, they don't relate to their spouses, their children, or anything like that. And we're almost finished here. Give me just another moment. Um, we need to know when to intervene, when is it necessary to intervene? Because people with mental illnesses often do not understand that they need the help. So we need to be able to recognize that a problem 
exists already. It is so important because if it's left untreated, mental illness can cause um, different occurrences like physical illnesses, loss of income, homelessness, substance abuse, um, types of criminal tendencies, and it can even cause suicide. So we need to be able to understand and know the timing to intervene and to address it. Um, we need to address the concerns that we're having with the individual in a private, loving, non-judgmental way. Um, provide practical information on where and how the person might obtain help. Offer to go with them, to with him or her, whoever it may be. When I say them, um, to an appointment at a healthcare with a healthcare professional or a counseling that may be able to provide some type of counseling. If the person seems to not be open to the intervention, um, cautiously consider talking with the family member or a close friend or a loved one about the situation um, and they will be able to also give insight and they may be able to help you address the issue with that person, that individual. Always remember um, that if an individual is a danger to himself or to someone else, um, anyone else, should we say, that we can always or you can always call 911 to get them the help they need. Um, there's a great need that we here in America, or should I say globally, we really need to have those that are available when you call 911 that they should be able to dispatch someone who has been trained in mental health um, and, and that's able to de-escalate the issue dealing with it because if they're manic, then you know they may end up dead if you send someone there that's not educated about mental health um, or trained about mental health. And we've seen that play out around the world and even here in the United States. Um, we need to maintain confidentiality as well as compassion. When someone feels as though they are able to come into an open door setting and to communicate with you as a as the church, as a leader, we don't gossip um, about that. You know, we don't misconstrue um, their willingness to come. We keep a tight lid on those type of things. That is between you and the individual. It's not for everyone else to know. It's not to become a sermon. It's not for you to try to stand up in the church or ministry or wherever you may be as a man or woman of God and try to openly rebuke anyone. No. Main thing is confidentiality in the church. Um, we need to encourage to create an open dialogue to those who are battling mental health issues. Um, we need to um, be able to have um, a support group or a, a family support or friends that can support the person that's dealing with mental health. And we need to understand that many times those dealing with mental health may benefit from having um, some a nice gesture. You know, you may be able to say, hey, you know what, let's go out for coffee. Let's go and sit down and talk. Let's go and catch a movie. Let's go to the park. Let's take a walk. Sometimes just doing that opens up the door for them to be able to be transparent and open up to you. Um, they may even need financial assistance. It may be something where, you know, men suffer. Men get depressed. Men have mental health issues because they're the breadwinner of the house. Um, and those they're the ones that everyone is looking up to to take care of everything. And they 
They begin to shut down sometimes and they don't talk much. So guess what? Men are, are also considered the stronger vessel in the bodies, but men also have a breaking point and they need to have someone that they can talk to, someone they can relate to. And that is why if they have a spouse, the first line of defense is that spouse. And then if not, if they're not able to really be able to open up to their spouse, then guess what? The church has to be the safe haven. Um, they may need help with household tasks. They may have an injury. It may be something going on that they can't do at home. Um, they may need you know, some kind of help with transportation. There may be issues with child care. Um, but they definitely do need people around who understand to be their friends, to listen, and to pray with them. So this month, May, is Mental Health Month. And we as the church, we as a culture, we as a society, we need to learn um, to get educated, to receive the tools that we need so that we may be a blessing to anyone who's suffering in silence. This is not the time to sit, to sit by idly quiet and do nothing because silence is definitely not an option. We cannot go through and not reach out to those who are hurting with mental health issues. And again, I thank you for joining us today on Let's Talk About It. And again, I am your host, Apostle Rosemary. I pray that this blesses you and I pray that you all have a great day. God bless.